Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Letterman Row. I am Austin Warren, and it's all hands on deck for the Buyers Auto Practice Report. That's what you have to do when you have a top 10 matchup like Ohio State and uh, Indiana. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Saturday at noon, Jeremy Birmingham, Spencer Holbrook, and Tim May joining me as the Buckeyes get back on the practice field this afternoon. Justin Fields, Brian Hartline, Greg Madison, and Zach Harrison today provided some updates on the Buckeyes as they prep for the Hoosiers. Berm, lead us off. What did you learn about the Buckeyes as they get uh, a couple days away from a game where their family and friends now, we've learned, won't even be allowed to watch? Well, uh, it's another reminder to me of the stark difference between we and the media and the we uh, fans view Ohio State opponents as to the way the Ohio State views Ohio State opponents. Yesterday's practice report, we were a little flippant about Indiana's chances in this upcoming uh, top 10 tilt. And I think that it's good news as we listen to the Buckeyes. They certainly are not taking Indiana lightly. They understand that this is an improved team that there are some challenges that Indiana presents, both from Michael Penix not being available last year to now being available this year and what his role is. Um, But ultimately, just understanding that the Buckeyes know they are a program that should win this game as long as they handle their business. And so it's about playing a complete game like we talked about yesterday, and you could hear that in the message today. Yeah, uh, for the record, I will still be flipping about Indiana's chances of pulling the upset on Saturday. That won't change, but your point is valid. Ryan Day and the Buckeyes have – certainly taking them seriously. And, and Tim, I know where you're focusing this week and, and, and how this matchup could play out on Saturday. Yeah, bottom line is Ohio State has got to handle a blitz package like it hasn't seen before this year. I'm talking about this season. They're going to be coming from all angles, et cetera. Uh, with that said, and as my story is also going to point out, there are going to be uh, targets of opportunity for Justin Fields in the passing game and or Justin Fields stepping up in the running game, if you follow my drift there. So, you know, uh, some teams haven't been able to make those hookups uh, when Indiana presented them, not the least of which was was Michigan a couple of weeks ago. And the other thing is what we learned today was Ohio State has a secret weapon when it gets when it comes to preparing for going against six foot nine, 350 plus pound offensive tackle Caleb Jones of Indiana. If in fact he plays, he did not play last week. And that is Ohio State's own man mountain from Indianapolis area, Dewan Jones, six foot eight, 360, whatever he is. So uh, Zach Harrison kind of like shot that idea down that he hadn't seen something like that before uh, when I was asking him about it. But uh, those are just a couple of takeaways. Let me follow up on one thing that Burb said, though. The interesting thing about this Indiana team, opposed to the, the ones that people have been seeing the last several years, is this team has learned to get over the hump against a couple of blue bloods already, Penn State with a miraculous finish to that game. And in Michigan, they dominated Michigan. So, you know, this is a different attitude kind of uh, Indiana team coming to town. And it's a different level of competition, obviously, to go from those struggling Blue Bloods to this one that's uh, as powerful as any program in the country. Uh, That's a fascinating dynamic, though, that, you know, we've talked about that. I think we talked about on your podcast, Tim, just the importance of confidence for that program if they're trying to pull the upset. I find it unlikely given the talent disparity, but – of course, that's why you play all these games. I would have, you know, there's no point of just rolling, a, putting a win in the column for a 21-point underdog and not playing the game. Um, and Ohio State, uh, Spencer, has seen a number of areas where they feel like they can still play better. Yeah, Greg Madison talked about the secondary and how he, you know, there's no issues in the secondary. Ohio State's offense really – I can't really point to anything that needs to improve, but, but defensively, Greg Madison answered a lot of questions confidently. He understands uh, – I think he kind of understands – why people are, are talking about the struggles of the defense, but he also is remaining confident. You know, we talked to him 
uh, earlier in the year before the season started, which defensive ends are you excited to see? All of them. We asked. He got asked today about the the linebackers. He loves the young linebackers, and obviously he likes what they put out on the field every down. And then in the secondary, it's all about just proving yourself. And they've got a really uh, good opportunity to prove themselves this week against the uh, the high high powered, I guess, Indiana offense. So all the questions that we have about Ohio State remaining that we haven't seen through three weeks, they're probably going to get answered this week, one way or another. I thought it was interesting to get Zach Harrison's take. I think we've brought his name up a number of times, just this expected sophomore surge. And then, you know, not really, he didn't even play in the first quarter of the opener. Where, where is Zach Harrison with this five, five starters at defensive end that they're going to rotate and the fact that he can't play maybe as many snaps as we would have anticipated for someone that was about to step into a, a Bosa like role or a Chase Young role. He, he's bought in fully to what Larry Johnson is, is, teaching and instructing that's not a surprise but um it doesn't seem to be berm a case where he's punished i think he's just part of the rotation and happy with the snaps he's getting you know ironically if you go back to zach's recruitment and when it came down to choosing ohio state over penn state and michigan there was obviously a number of reasons you would think he would have done that but one of them was the fact that at Ohio State, he wasn't going to be forced to step in and, and have the expectation of being a star immediately. And, and I know that's counterintuitive for people, a five-star prospect from, from Columbus. But the reason he picked Ohio State was the chance to be developed by Larry Johnson, where he at Michigan or Penn State, he may have been forced to, to take on a much bigger role than he was ready for right away. And I, I, I think people need to understand the difference between a Chase Young and a Nicker Joey Bosa and their their talent when they arrived on campus versus Zach's upside and the need for development. Zach has always understood that. Fans maybe don't. Um, I, I think Zach is right where they want him to be and right where he needs to be, and that's why ultimately he picked Ohio State. And that's why he's comfortable being starter number five. Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, I kind of asked him about about that in a in a in a roundabout way, and uh, you know, like like you pointed out, uh, Berm, he is very. He's comfortable in his development. He thinks he's – I think he feels like he's getting better week to week, et cetera, because, you know, because it's, it's natural for people when you see Joey Bosa followed by Nick Bosa followed by Chase Young to expect that next guy to be just like those guys were right out of the gate, and and we all know that's not the case. And, by the way, I want to throw this in there. Uh, it's funny, we were talking to Greg Madison today. The question – you know, you kind of want to ask him, but you know he's a gentleman and he wouldn't have probably wouldn't have answered it. <laughs> but at least the way you wanted him to was, man, <clears throat> have things changed where he came from? You know what I'm talking about, Michigan, and the way things have just flipped up there in that in that program. And you get the idea. Greg Madison is extremely happy with where he is and his <laughs> circumstance. Tim, what about how, th- how much things have changed between you and Greg Madison, a couple of grizzled veterans? having to do uh, media sessions via cell phones from 15 miles apart. Well, here's the thing, you know, people, people who know me well, which uh, obviously Berm, you don't is I've always been for the latest greatest. And, uh, but I, but I have always cherished the ability uh, to be face to face with someone asking them questions, getting to know more than just like a one question or one and a half question uh, thing before it moves on to the next guy you know, the grabbing the guy coming off the practice field, the secret, you know, figure out ways of, of getting not just information, but getting to know people and getting to know, you know, kind of what they know. You know, that's what's really been lacking this year in this COVID-19 era. And I I definitely miss that. Tim, don't give away all of our tricks for how we uh, operate post-practice oh, in the normal era. 
Dude, that's just one you could you could see if you just pay attention. I don't give away all of it. Uh, all right, so uh, Greg Madison, Al Washington, Zach Harrison, I think all those guys are happy with the decisions they made when they either spurned Michigan uh, or left to join Ryan Day's staff. Um, it, to finish this, this thought off, Spencer, it's not as if Zach Harrison is not being productive. He's got – you know, they spread around these tackles. There's seven for him. He's got one and a half sacks. I believe at this point that's second on the team. Uh, those are modest numbers for three games. We might have expected more from him, but that's part of the deal. It, it goes into this package, and they lump it together. Like, this is what the Rushman did. It's not necessarily what even Chase Young or Joey or Nick Bosa did in the past. It's We we talked before the year about this being similar to that 27, 2017 defensive line where all four of those guys were accepting of their roles and just lumped the sacks together and put together a huge total. Uh, it hasn't necessarily – work that way outside of the Penn State game maybe at this point, but you can see that pass rush really coming on. Yeah, and this is not uh, – it's not really your, your dad's Penn, uh, Ohio State pass rush. It's not really your, your Ohio State pass rush because the last three years it's been Nick Bosa and the other guys, Joey Bosa and the other guys, Chase Young and the other guys. Now it's just all of them together rushing the passer. They're all fresh. They all maintain that, that rotation that, that I think is really benefiting them. The, the numbers aren't there. They're not going to put up – Heisman Trophy numbers. None of them are going to get invited to New York virtually like Chase did uh, when he actually got to go to New York last year, but they're still going to be productive. They're still going to get after the passer. They have a challenge this week with a guy who likes to get the ball out of his hands quickly, but, but when it comes down to it, productivity is not always in the numbers. And, and that's what uh, it's hard to see. It's hard sometimes even for us to see through that when you just look at the numbers, but, but the reality is they're all being productive. They're good in run stopping. They're good at, at getting to the passer and, we saw what they're capable of as a unit against Penn State. They just have to do it again against an Indiana team that if you get the quarterback off his off his uh, platform, he, he's not as not near as good as he usually can be. Yeah, let me, let me interject something here too. Ohio State, what I've noticed too, that you know they've gone against mobile quarterbacks pretty much the first three games, and it'll be the same this week with Michael Penix Jr. But they've they I think the defensive ends have done a very good job of basically maintaining contain, not losing the integrity of the pass rush, just to loop around a guy and leave a wide open gash there in like a C or D gap where a guy can take off. And uh, But that has helped feature uh, Tommy Togi, uh, Haskell Garrett, and some of those other guys up the gut. I mean, Ohio State, I think for the most part, uh, the first three games has done a great job of applying pressure uh, through the A gaps. Uh, with either the the rush of Tommy Togi and Haskell Garrett, you know Haskell Garrett, of course, coming from the three technique, and or the the occasional blitz from Tuff Borland and uh, Pete Warner. So you know it's a little bit of a different role, I think, so far with these with these defensive ends too. Yeah, success isn't measured in sacks; it's going to be measured right. in pressure. I'm still right. trying to figure out exactly which Ohio State pass rush Spencer was referring to with the three other more experienced veterans over here in this window compared to him. If, which which one of our father's pass rush are you talking about? I don't, I'm not sure what era that is. Well, it, it's usually, you know, the old saying, this isn't your, your this isn't your dad's old pass rush. And, and oh, okay. it's not, it's not the last season's old pass rush. And so it's not even really the pass rush we've come to know uh, I you think, guys more than me. I think what Spencer is trying to say is that <laughs> offenses are changing and footballs are getting thrown much quicker and sacks are less a telling factor than other things. Oh, okay. That's extremely well. That is extremely well put by Berm. I, I gotta, I gotta say because it is. You want to, you want to be in the. You know, when when a team is trying to get the ball off quick, 
you want to be in those passing lanes with your big guys. I mean, you want to you want to have a guy throwing through windows as opposed to just throwing over the top with a you know a looping defensive end. You know, who's not going to be a factor on a quick passing game. And uh, I think he's I think he hit the nail on the head there, Berm. Good job, Berm. Considering you don't know me very well, I just I'm just glad I had Berm for the uh, Spencer to English translation. He he's such an old soul. He's older than all of us. You know, I I just wanted to make sure we knew what we were talking about because. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's Google, any number of ways I could have gone. Google Translate. I got it. Um, all right. The other, I thought it was interesting to hear from Brian Hartline, and the four of us have talked about this before with the incredible depth of this wide receiver room. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily, this is another situation where right now it's not necessarily translating statistically because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are commanding and deserve so many targets. Um, and that, that led me to, you know, wondering like, Julian Fleming had a huge opportunity a couple weeks ago. He probably would have scored if he puts that football away. And, you know, Hartline kind of spun this another way. These guys, some of the younger guys that are pushing, that was one play. He didn't go the way it was coached. And that's a process for him. And Berm, um, specifically, you know, you spent a lot of time around him. We were there in Pennsylvania when he committed. You know, he, Julian Fleming knew that this wasn't going to be a one-step process for him, that he had to make a big jump from the offense he was in to Ohio State. And that that one play, you don't want to necessarily dwell on it if you're Julian Fleming, but it is a learning lesson that Brian Hartline will take and, and they'll you know, get that corrected for the future. Well, we talked about it all offseason, the entire long offseason, but those four wide receivers, Julian Fleming, again, is similar to Zach Harrison, probably was a kid, a kid that you knew was going to need more lesson learning to play the position in the Big Ten. In high school football and division whatever four he was in in, in Pennsylvania, he just had to show up and, and you get him the ball with one yard and then he does whatever he wants to do. This is way different. I mean, this is – if people want to know why Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave get the catches, they're always open by 10 yards, okay? But then they, but then they catch the ball. Julian Fleming was open by 10 yards and didn't catch the ball. And it took Austin Mack years to, to figure out his eye discipline. It's a different world when you're trying to catch a pass from a guy like Justin Fields who's throwing the ball 90-some miles an hour if he really, you know, was letting go with the baseball. I mean, you, you get, that's a, it's a whole different world than running a, in, a, in a wing T offense that he did in, in high school. And, and he's learning. He does not come from the same background that Jackson Smith and Jigba or G. Scott does. He, he's a kid who physically is different. But – Football in the Big Ten at Ohio State, if you want to succeed, is is about much more than just physical. Yeah, and, and you know, that that's extremely well put, uh, Berm. And then past that, you know, people keep talking about, you know, they're not spreading it around like you maybe you thought they would. Uh, who cares? I mean, you've got Garrett Wilson. <laughs> it's one of the better receivers you've ever seen play at Ohio State. Yeah. You've got Chris Olave. I mean, he is he's a story unto himself uh, from the standpoint of, like Berm pointed out, at the critical moments, he can get wide open, number one. And number two, the hustle he shows on the punt team, for example, is off the chart. I mean, what he is can do on special teams, but especially that group. You know, he's Drew Chrisman's best friend, if you follow my drift. I mean, uh, the, these guys deserve every ball that's being thrown to them. And on top of that, they're usually catching them, too. And that's, you know, that is the bottom line about being a wide receiver. All right, Spencer, anything else stand out to you as we uh, wrap up a Wednesday buyer's auto practice report? 
No, I mean, we we went this whole time without really talking about the fact that we got to talk to Justin Fields, and, and he's pretty confident and comfortable, and it was just a normal day with Justin Fields. It seems like every time we talk to him, he's, he's a little redundant, but that's okay because it's kind of like his play. You know, it's, it's becoming harder and harder to find uh, hyperboles to, to link to him because he's just so talented and so gifted with what he does. And every time you talk to him, you try to get a little bit more information out of him, but he's just kind of cool and steady and consistent. And he just goes out and does his thing. And I, it's crazy to me that people ask him about turnovers because last year, the first time you get asked about turnovers, what happened? And, and now he got asked yeah. about turnovers today. We'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm going to knock on wood for him just for, just for his sake. Are you suggesting a media jinx? Absolutely, I am. Oh, I've seen those Dr. Pepper commercials. They're not real. Yeah, that's, yeah. Go live in Fansville, Chives. Get out of here. Yeah, but uh, that is, this is interesting. I mean, you think about it. Uh, Indiana's coming in with 12 sacks from that defense and 10 interceptions by far leads the league. You know, this is we'll, – we'll be talking about that a little bit uh, in the postgame, I'm sure, about how Ohio State handled that situation. I bet if if Ohio State got to play uh, Michigan State and Rutgers and Michigan, their numbers would look a little bit better too. Uh, Penn, Penn State, State didn't Penn play State. Rutgers. Penn State too. They have they do. I left Penn shared. State out because they, they gave up 500 yards to them. Look, Ohio State and Indiana do have two shared opponents, so I mean there is at least some way that you can start to piece this together. But I yeah. also want I have two points, and then I'll I'll stop talking. I'm going to circle. I'll I'll go in reverse order. Um, Brian Hartline also thought it was very uh, important to mention today special teams and the role that his players need to play on special teams. I think it's interesting when we're talking about Julian Fleming that if you watch the special teams, you've seen Jackson Smith and Jigba out there, you've seen G Scout out there, but not Julian Fleming. So there is a component of learning how to play the game and, and buying into every coaching point that you're getting before you're really able to contribute in those meaningful moments. Number two, Penn State beat the doors off of Indiana and lost the game. Uh, that was the season opener. Michigan is pretty bad, right? But Michigan also probably watching the Indiana game against Penn State thought they're not really that good because Penn State beat the doors off of them and just choked right. in, tip, in very James Franklin-y fashion. Yeah. I, I don't believe that Indiana – has any possibility of sneaking up on Ohio State this weekend. And I, 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 I think that that is a bad thing for Indiana. I, all the hype around the game, the, the, the talk about them beating Blue Blood programs for the first time and really put you know, knowing they beat Michigan for the first time in 25 years, knowing it's been 32 years since they beat Ohio State. I, I just don't see a scenario where Ohio State, even without fans, friends, family, atmosphere, is going to sleepwalk into that game. Yeah, but what could, what could keep Indiana in it is is what they've shown a propensity to have offensively is that lightning strike, those lightning strikes. That's what's made the difference for them uh, from a especially the passing game uh, aspect of it is you know the Penix Jr. to those wide receivers. With that said, Penix Jr. has put the ball up for grabs quite a few times the last several games, and the other team for one reason or another hasn't been able to come down with it. So that to me is can. Can uh, Indiana continue to live that uh, charmed life, that charmed existence with its passing game? That will be the telltale in, in this game, I do believe. All right. Great stuff from Tim May, Jeremy Birmingham, and Spencer Holbrook, as always. Hopefully this Buyers Auto practice report winds up having a longer shelf life than the one a week ago so that we can <laughs> see Ohio State and Indiana on Saturday at noon. Appreciate these guys for hanging out with me again on the Buyers Auto practice report. 
We will see you next time at Letterman Row.